we're going to keep on talking about evangelism this morning, like I mentioned the first thing. Um, what is evangelism? It's our call to reach those who don't know Jesus Christ as Savior. Short, sweet, and simple. That's the definition of what evangelism is. Our call, our command, our directive, whatever you want to refer to it as, to share the good news of Jesus Christ with non-believers, with non-Christians. This is a primary task of the church. I've told you guys that uh, from the beginning. We are working alongside the Holy Spirit in drawing other people into the family of faith. A lot of us are uncomfortable doing that. It's not easy for us to share our faith for some reason. I don't, I, I don't understand that, and I'm as guilty of it as anybody probably. We can talk about anything in the world. We can talk about football. We can talk about politics. We can talk about cars. We can talk about whatever our hobbies are. But when it comes to talking about our faith, when it comes to talking about Jesus Christ, we want to shy away from that. We want to back down away from that. Why? Why? Why are we like that? Is it because we're more passionate about these things? God forbid. I hope that's not the case. Are we more passionate about our cars and our politics and whatever the subject of the day is than we are Jesus Christ? Or is it possibly that we're just shy? It's, we're, we're timid. We're shy when it comes to talking about our faith. It's, is it the social awkwardness that goes along with it? Everybody experiences those things, folks. And I don't tell you that to make you feel guilty if you're one of them. Because I'm sure to some degree or another you probably are. Regardless, regardless, if we have a passion for Christ, and I hope and pray that each and every one of us does, we are called as a primary discipline to work alongside the Holy Spirit in bringing other people into a relationship with Christ and into a to the family of faith. Before we can do that at all, though, before we can even consider sharing our faith with other people, we need to have a basic idea of what the gospel is, what a basic idea of what it means to share our faith, a basic idea of what this good news is that we're going to share with people. What is that all about? We need to know the basics. We need to know the basics of the good news of Jesus Christ. And interestingly, Paul, the Apostle Paul, gives us a great definition of what this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This has become one of my favorite scriptures to talk about. And I don't really know why that is. It's, it's, nothing, it's nothing, you know, earth-shattering by any means. I think maybe it lies in the simplicity it lies in giving just the, just the breakdown and the simple facts of what the gospel is. And to me, even though it's so short, it's just, it just carries with it so much power and so much truth. So it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verses 1 through 4. So again, this is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. And here's what he says about the gospel. He says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. This is it. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word that I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. And here it is. For what I have received, I have passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins in accordance with scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. It's the word of God for the people of God. Leave that up there if you don't mind, uh, Lorelai. I want to point a couple things out to you. This first sentence, and by the way, Margaret and Tom, some, they, 
So when those people broke into our church, they stole my they stole my pointer. I just I just realized that a couple weeks back. So if you ever wonder why I'm not using that beautiful gift you guys gave me, that's that's why somebody stole it. <coughs> but anyway, going back to verse three, for what I received to you, I have passed on to you as what as of first importance. Those words, first importance. This is it. This is the basics. This is the foundation. This is what it's all about. The most important thing about the good news of Jesus Christ, the most important thing about the gospel is this. And then he goes on to mention, which you can see there are actually four things that are of first importance. That Christ was buried. That he was raised on the third day according... I'm sorry. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried, number two. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, who by the way is Peter. Peter has so many, so many different names. I wonder if he ever got lost himself. But that he appeared to Cephas and then he appeared to twelve. So there's right, right there. Four points. That is the basics of what it's all about. That Christ lived. That Christ died. That Christ was raised from the dead by God. And that he appeared after that, and of course, reading on, you'll go, you'll you'll see that Paul talks about adding the ascension to that, the ascension of Christ, the most important things. Over in Second Timothy, uh, Paul writes something very very similar, chapter uh, two, verse eight in Second Timothy. Paul says this, and it's kind of an echo of what he says what he says here in First Corinthians. He writes, "Remember Jesus Christ." Raised from the dead, descended from David, that is my gospel. This is the gospel that, that Paul preached. This is the gospel, the gospel that the early church preached. They, they taught that, that Christ lived, that he was a real person, that he, was, that he was murdered, basically, unjustifiably by a group of sinners, that God raised him from the dead, that he ascended, and that he is coming back to reign. That was the gospel that the church knew that was the gospel that the church taught. By the way, I want you to pick up on something right here. Who is this gospel all about? It's all about Jesus. Who's, short, who's not mentioned in this gospel? Me and you. Because the gospel is not about me and you. We receive our salvation from the gospel. But the gospel at the end of the day is not about us. I'm going to let you guys play with that in your minds for a while. But at the end of the day, the gospel is not about us. And some of the ways that we try to share the gospel with people today would have been completely unfamiliar with the way that Paul and this early church shared the gospel and told the good news to people of that time. That's the gospel, 101. Christ was a real person who was really killed, who literally was resurrected from the dead, who literally ascended, and who literally one day is coming back to reign. There's a couple narratives in the uh, rest in, in, in another part of the New Testament that I want to refer you to that shows you kind of what I'm talking about in, the, in, in regards to the way that the early church and the early disciples and the early apostles shared this good news with people. One of them, well, both of them actually come from the book of Acts, but the first example I want to give to you is one that you're probably most familiar with, and it comes from Acts chapter 2. And this is Peter's sermon. You're not, you're not going to see it up here. And again, just in the interest of time, I'm not going to reread this whole thing. 
you can go back and read it. But if you look in Acts chapter 2, you'll see how Peter preaches the good news of Jesus to the crowd gathered on what we now know as the day of Pentecost. He essentially does the same thing that Paul points us to in these scriptures. He talks about the life of Jesus. He tells the story of Jesus' life. He tells the story of Jesus' death. He tells the story of Jesus' resurrection. And at the end of that sermon, he invites the crowd that is listening to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And we know how, the, how that story ends, don't we? Somewhere in the neighborhood of 3,000 people came to a relationship with Christ and were welcomed into the body of the church on that day. Notice that he really didn't say a whole lot about them. He just told them the story of Jesus. That he lived, that he died, that he was resurrected. Repent and believe. That's the essence of what the gospel is. It's all about him, and it leads us, or it should hopefully lead us and lead others into that initial relationship with him. Just telling people about Jesus. Telling them the story of Jesus, inviting them to repent and believe. And I've told you about that word repentance before, that... It's gotten a bad rap and, and uh, a dirty name behind it for some reason, but it's not a bad word, you know. And, and I'll, I've said this probably a dozen times to you guys, and I'll continue to say it. Repentance is just simply about changing our minds. It's about changing our minds, and it's about changing our hearts. It's about reorienting ourselves, reorienting and redirecting our hearts and our minds and our words and our actions away from our selfishness, away from our sinfulness, and towards the will of God towards the holiness of God, towards the love of Jesus Christ, towards the love of God for others. It's just a reorientation. That's what repentance basically means. Another way that we find early Christians, early disciples, early apostles sharing their faith, sharing the gospel with people in the New Testament beyond telling the story of Jesus is they do tell the story of themselves. We see them giving personal testimony. One of the most beautiful examples that I can think of of this, again, goes back to Paul, and, and again, it's at the book of Acts. It's in chapter 28, and Paul is talking to a guy named uh, King Agrippa. And in that testimony, Paul does this. He, he, he basically talks about what he was like prior to being a Christian. If you know anything about Paul, it wasn't good. That He was literally a persecutor of Christians. We don't know if he ever killed any Christians, but we certainly know that he, we do know that he stood by and watched it happen. And he talked about his conversion, and he talked about his life after his conversion. In other words, the kind of person he was prior to meeting Christ, the kind of person, what happened when he met Christ, how that, came, how that occurred, and then how his life had changed since coming into that relationship with Christ, since coming face-to-face -face with Jesus. And that's how Paul shared his faith with King Agrippa, through personal testimony, just simply telling him the story of what happened when he came face-to-face -face with the risen Jesus. Interestingly enough, at the end of this uh, testimony, if you'll read that again, it's in Acts 28. King Agrippa looks at Paul and he says, surely, you know, in this short... Because Paul was testifying, man. Paul was testifying. Paul was trying to convert this guy and these people who were present. 
And King Agrippa looks at him, he says, you know, you're not, surely you don't think in this short amount of time that you're going to convince me to be one of those Christians, do you? And Paul looks at him, he said, I don't care if it's a short amount of time or a long amount of time. I, my hope is that you and everybody else who's listening to me, who's hearing me right now, will all come to become what I am. Paul had a passion for Christ. Paul also had a passion for people. He yearned. He had, a, he, had a, he had a breaking of his heart to see people brought to Christ, to see people brought into the family of faith. Another interesting thing, or another thing that I found interesting about this particular narrative and the way that Paul shares his faith is uh, <clears throat> a lot of, all of, y'all, all of y'all know, I've told you this before, that I've been involved in 12-step groups off and on for, for years and years now. One, one of the things that happens occasionally at a 12-step group, AANA, whatever, is a speaker will come in from time to time who has some sobriety in their life, and they'll give their, they'll give their testimony. They'll give their conversion experience, if you will. And when they stand up there to speak, a lot of times what you'll hear them say is, I have come to here to tell you today what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. In other words, what my life was like prior to my sobriety, what I went through, what, what, what my character was like, those types of things, how I got sober, what happened when I got sober, how that came about, and how my life has been since I got sober. Isn't it interesting and isn't it cool that that's exactly the same thing that Paul does in this narrative in Acts? Talks about what his life was like before Christ, how he was converted, and what his life is like since Christ. I've just always thought that was really, really neat. So that's a model. That's a model that you can follow. So we got two things here. How do I share my faith with people? Number one, have the basics of the gospel down. Number two, tell the story of Jesus. You don't have to argue doctrine with people. You ain't got to argue philosophy. You don't have to argue theology. None of that stuff. You just tell the story of Jesus. What's the second way I can share my faith? Share it through personal testimony. Once again, everybody has a testimony, okay? And we can argue again. We can try to get folks, non-believers, to argue. will argue with us over, over religious matters, doctrinal matters, theological matters, philosophical matters, everything. What people cannot argue with you about is your story. What people cannot argue with you about is your story the realness of your narrative, the realness of what happened to you in Christ, through Christ, and all of us have them. Every single person who is sitting in this sanctuary today, if you are a Christian, have stories about what Christ has done in your life and how Christ has changed you to some degree or another. Now, in in talking to a number of you, I realize and I understand, and it's not just you, it's, it's many, many people, not everybody has had these Damascus Road types of experiences like Paul had. Not all of us have those. I feel like I did. Some people do. Some people don't. That's okay. You don't have to have a great marvelous story about coming into your initial relationship with Christ. Some of that stuff happens over time. Regardless of if you have a major you know, lightning bolt moment conversion story or not, all of you have some story about how Christ has changed your life. Every single person in here has some story about how Christ intervened for the betterment of your life, one way or another, one way, shape, or form. Maybe it was a time in your life when faith was running low. Maybe it was a time in your life when Jesus intervened there in that time. Maybe your, maybe your relationship with God was shallow, and somehow or another, God just intervened. 
beyond your explanation and just changed everything. Maybe it was more of a physical thing. Maybe you had a physical ailment and God stepped in. Maybe you had an emotional problem and God stepped in. Maybe you had a financial hardship and God stepped in. Folks, everybody has a story about how God supplied something to us that we could not through our own human effort. A supernatural story. And nobody can argue with this stuff. Nobody can argue about your own testimony. And we don't have to be shy about this. We don't have to be shy. We don't have to be hesitant. We don't have to worry about the social awkwardness that comes along with sharing our faith with people. And the Bible gives us that assurance. Scripture gives us that assurance that we have the power to overcome those types of things through the presence of the Holy Spirit residing inside of us. I'm sure most of you probably are familiar with this particular scripture I'm about to quote to you out of, uh, out of Timothy, or 2 Timothy, rather. A lot of, it get, a lot of times the scripture gets, gets misused, but nonetheless. This is what Paul writes to his friend Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1. For the spirit that God gave us does not make us what? It does not make us timid, but it gives us power. It gives us love, and it gives us self-discipline. Now, here's how he concludes that. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Paul is writing to Timothy specifically for this person. Timothy apparently was kind of shy. Timothy apparently was kind of an introvert. And Paul serves as his mentor. And he says, Timothy, you don't got to be like this. It don't have to be like this. This is not the spirit that God gave you. He didn't give you a spirit of humility, timidity. He did not give you a spirit of shyness. But he gave you a spirit of power. He gave you a spirit of love. He gave you a spirit of self-discipline. So tell your testimony, Timothy. Testify about the risen Lord, Timothy, because you have the power to do that and not have to worry about being shy and being socially awkward. Y'all, my hope and my prayer for myself and Bemis United Methodist Church is this. This is why I've been talking about evangelism so much lately. My hope and my prayer for myself and Bemis United Methodist Church is that we will have such a love for the gospel and such a passion to share with non-believers and reach non-believers that we can hardly bear the thought of not talking about Jesus with people. Let me repeat that. That is my biggest desire right now for myself and for you guys is that we will have such a passion for the gospel, such a passion for bringing non-believers into working alongside the Holy Spirit. We can't do it of ourselves. To bring people into a relationship with Christ that we can't even fathom the thought of not talking to other people about Jesus Christ. Some of y'all may have heard of a guy named George Whitfield, who was really, really big in the Methodist movement when it first got started. George Whitfield said this one time. He said, God forbid that I should travel with anybody for a quarter of an hour without speaking of Christ to them. I want that to be me. I want that to be me. I want to be able to talk about Christ just as much as we, as we get passionate about talking about that game that I understand is happening tonight. Okay? Whatever these hobbies are that, that, that grab us by the heart, we're so passionate about. I want that to be the first thing that I talk about people with. Because we talk about what we're passionate about. Folks, we talk about what we're passionate about. I want that to be me, and I want that to be you. We don't have to be shy about this. Again, we don't have to be timid. We don't have to fear that rejection. We don't have to fear that social awkwardness. All of those things are contrary to what God has gifted us with. All of those things are contrary to what God has given us 
through the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells inside each and every one of you. Each and every one of you. We have access to that power. We have access to that real power and that real love so that we can approach people. We can approach those people with confidence and the hope of bringing others into a relationship with Christ. So let me give you a couple suggestions. Where do I begin? <clears throat> Where do I begin with this? How do I start doing this? How do we as a church start doing this? First place that you go to is prayer. First place that we go to is prayer all day long. And you start asking God for a few things. You start asking God for a few very, very specific things. Number one, start asking God to place people in your path who are non-believers. Ask God to place people in your path who do not know Christ as Savior. Number two, ask Him to be able to recognize those situations. God, give me the opportunity to talk to a non-believer, place non-believers, place people who do not know Christ the Savior into my path on my daily routine. Give me the ability, God, to recognize when these situations arise. And if you're a little bit shy like I am, God, when this happens, give me the words. And God will do that. I have no doubt whatsoever. I have no doubt whatsoever that if you begin to pray these three things, if you begin to pray this prayer, you're going to be amazed at the people that God puts into your life, and you're going to be amazed at the opportunities that arise that we can share our faith, where we can share our faith. We started doing a little bit of that yesterday. It felt good. None, I don't think none of us had an opportunity to get, actually get out and talk to anybody, but it was a start. It was a start. It was the boldness to stand out there in the public and say, hey, we love you guys. Come and see. Come and see. We're here for you. Maybe at, the, maybe at the end of the day, that just planted a little bit of seed for somebody. Okay? Pray for these situations. God, bring me somebody. Put these people in my life. Help me to recognize the situation. And give me the words. Give me the words to testify to your gospel. 